I, I mean, and if you lose on these and they don't vote for them and nothing gets done, that's the way that it is, and we'll let the American people determine it, okay? But, you know, this is, the, you're, I'm so tired, I'm so tired of Democrats not knowing how to play this game. It is your favorite weekly Alabama politics podcast. Alabama politics this week. We're creative. Uh, Josh Moon and David Person. And making the whole thing go. All right. Uh, listen, we uh, we've got. Listen, it's it's, it's going to be the greatest show we've ever done, probably. Um, or it's not. By the end of it, you won't know. So um, as long as you listen and subscribe, we still get paid the same. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just joking. That's right. Just joking. That's right. uh, listen, uh, I was not. Uh, the, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes we do full effort. Sometimes we do half. Listen, that's the way it goes sometimes. All right. Just Draymond's not getting up down that court all the time at the same level. Okay. You just can't do it. Well, uh, yeah, we uh, saw that. We saw that last night. <laughs> yeah. I, Honestly, man, I I cannot think of a year in which I have been less disengaged in the NBA playoffs. I I just I don't know what you know what it was. I'll tell you exactly what it was. There were so many games leading up to this finals in mm-hmm. which the scores were so lopsided. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you tune in and somebody had already be up by 30 and you're like, well, hell, I'm checking out of this. And so, you know, and, and there, it just went that way that go in every series. It seemed like it was that way. And it would, it, the teams would swap, you know, the, they would go back and forth of so the series would be relatively close, but it would just, you know, the, the games themselves would be just, you know, trash games for the most part. You know, I'm not watching. I'm not watching some six ten white dude run up and down the floor for the last forty five minutes of the game. You know, I'm just you know just mm. I'm not doing it. I don't want to see that. Well, I, you know, I, you know, my position, and I know this. We're going to get to the real, the real nitty gritty here after this. But of course, uh, I've been. Yeah. I, you know, I'm such a diehard Dubs fan. You know, Golden yeah. State Warriors fan. That it's just been exciting for me to see them do yeah. what they have done to get back into the finals. So I, I've been watching. I'm happy. Uh, I'm a little concerned mm-hmm. right now because of the way Boston beat them Wednesday night. But hey, we'll see. You know? Boy, that I, that I tell you what would have concerned me more is the way Boston turned it on heading into the first part of that fourth quarter um, uh, in the first game. I mean, you know, the uh, Golden State was up twelve, I believe, and in, into in the fourth, and then all of a sudden, man, like a, at one point they outscored them forty to thirteen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that is like a in the finals. That's just unheard of, you know, for a for to put together a quarter like that. The only reason that didn't worry me is because I just felt like um, Golden State had had too many days off. They were just kind of they weren't really in yeah. sync. And that's just kind of yeah. the way I looked at it, but. Yeah, you know we'll see. Uh, listen, I, I like uh, I like Steph Curry and them. Uh, typically, I hated them when they had Kevin Durant. Uh, mm. I thought that was you know just a bullshit team uh, at that point. Uh, you know, I just you know, I felt like they you know you've been in the finals with those three guys. Ride the finals out. You know, make a, make a few tweaks and adjustments, but don't add another superstar. It's just too much. Um, <laughs> and I was so happy when LeBron beat them. Uh, you know, I was so happy. Oh, it made me oh god come to come back and beat them after being down what three three two. Uh, so, yeah, uh, anyways, that's been your NBA talk. That's sponsored today by. Oh yeah, we don't have that. Um, so, 
Uh, all right. Uh, listen, there's not a whole lot of in-state political news necessarily. Uh, probably the biggest uh, this week has been uh, the U- U.S. Senate race uh, between uh, Katie Britt, Mo Brooks, uh, the r- runoff that they are currently entangled with. And, um, you know, that uh, oddly enough, I was just kind of scrolling through the computer last night on the Twitters, and I saw where Mo Brooks was on MSNBC uh, the Chris Hay- Chris Hayes show do, uh, with an interview there. It was just a weird nothing nothing really noteworthy out of the interview. Uh, I thought he actually you know, handled himself fairly well uh, with Hayes, and and Hayes uh, <laughs> thought it was pretty funny when Mo Brooks offered to debate him on whether or not the twenty twenty election was stolen, and uh, Chris Hayes said, <laughs> "There is nothing in this world that I want less than that." Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. so you know, uh, but. Um, so earlier the in the week or late last week, uh, Mo put out a statement in which he uh, essentially begged Donald Trump to come back and reendorse him. Um, and I mean, it was so pathetic. Yeah. And this whole thing is so pathetic where he's begging this guy to come back and reendorse him. And he's saying that what what Trump really meant when he did this, when he unendorsed him. Uh, was uh, was basically like a football coach shaking a player by the helmet to wake him up, wake him up, get him back in the game. And that's what Mo has done. He's turned things around. He's seen the light. He's uh, he's no longer telling people to move past that 2020 election. He's back on the back on the team, telling everybody it was stolen from Donald Trump. And uh, you know he's no longer going around scorched earth and telling people that Donald Trump was trying to get him to rescind the election results. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean. Mm. Uh, well, you know, I wrote I wrote my uh, my column for uh, Alabama, um, the Alabama Political Reporter, <clears throat> about this, and uh, mm-hmm. it'll be coming out, I guess, on uh, Friday or, or something. And um, you know, what I said was that this reminds me of when I was growing up, mm-hmm. and when you have, you know, some kid who is being, you know, uh, who's basically been bullied, you know, and yeah. and who then goes back to the person who's bullied them and, and, and embarrassed them publicly and tries to get their approval. You know, it's, it's, you know, there are words for that in the street, you know, in the hood, there are words for that that I won't <laughs> use on the podcast, but... Mm. But one that I will use is suck up. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it just it's it's a it's a sign of weakness yeah. and insecurity. And I don't know how you maintain your self-respect in this life if you're going to people who who berate you, belittle you and abandon you and then publicly beg for them to come back as a man. As a forget even gender, as a person mm-hmm. with some bit of common sense and pride, I can't do that. And I just, yeah, and it just it just boggles my mind that Mo has so succumbed to the Trump fever that this is where he is now in his in his life. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you this. I, 
I want to be clear, this is not absolving Mo Brooks of, of anything, okay? Because everything that you just said is 100% true. Uh, that all said, what's most troubling to me is the idea that this is, uh, has been examined by his team of advisors mm. and have, they have studied polling data. And they have come to believe, based upon the data that they have studied, that his pathway to receiving the votes of a larger number of people in this state is to do this dumb shit, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, and to grovel like this and to get the approval of a person, uh, or a, a horrible person, um, and to, to gain it by lying, by spreading a lie, because that's what he's doing. He's spreading a lie. Everybody at this point with a working brain uh, understands that the 2020 election uh, at the presidential level and all the levels down below, which nobody challenged, was not stolen from anybody. Right. We've done all the data. We've looked at everything that we need to look at. Nobody stole it. They People voted, and that's what the hell happened, okay? Uh, he got beat by Joe Biden, and that's just the bottom line. Um, and if you say otherwise at this point, you are pandering to people to tell them what they want you to tell them, all right? Not what the truth is. You're telling people what they want to hear. And it's troubling to me that we have such a number of people in this state that want to be told that because they want to believe it, um, that it could sway an election for the U.S. Senate. Yeah. That is very, very discouraging. And if you're on that side of the aisle uh, and you're not one of those people, then I, I would suggest taking a hard look around and asking just what the hell is going on in that party, uh, that, that there are so many people that you're coveting as voters that would believe this dumb shit at this point. Yeah. I mean, because that's what it is. All right? I, I know that that's maybe not the best way to term it and all that, but that's what it is. It's dumb. It's it's stupid. It's a lie. There are plenty of facts out there that have been uh, that have been handed to you from Republicans. You know, they've examined these damn elections. They've examined everything that's going on with this. And so now if you're still believing this ridiculous nonsense, you're 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 a gullible person. You know, you've been conned. This is what you want to believe. You don't want to believe that a majority of Americans felt that Donald Trump was doing a a poor job and that they were tired of the constant scandal and constant stupidity and the fact that he mishandled completely this deadly pandemic that was taking place and put us in this position that we were in for so long. Um, you know, that was reality, man, yeah. you know, and, and if you can't accept it, I don't know what to tell you, but we shouldn't have our politicians running for a very prestigious office, you know, yeah. one of a hundred is going to decide everything. Yeah. Um, yeah pandering to those people and making believe that they also believe that the 2020 election was stolen. Yeah. They just can't, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really, it's just, we're in such a strange time here. I mean, I, it's very disappointing that there are so many people that want to, you know, just look past all of the obvious questions and evidence about these, uh, these uh, made up allegations and 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 embrace them nonetheless. That's that's pretty disturbing. But I guess it's not really surprising that we have leaders who are so enamored with power or money or fame or whatever it is mm -hmm. that attracts them to these offices that they would pander to that because that's what I mean, unfortunately, there's always been 
a contingent of people who would do that. And that's that's yeah. sad. You know, it's sad that there's that that's the case, but it's the truth. And you know, even even though Katie Britt hasn't been uh, you know, as vocal in uh-huh. pandering to that particular aspect of Trumpism. Um, in fact, I can't even say I recall her ever really just saying the 2020 election was, you know, stolen from Trump or anything like that. But she has still nonetheless pandered to Trump, you uh-huh. know. Um, so it's so I think you're right. There's a you know, if I were if I were a Republican, I would really question, you know, not not being a conservative, not being, you know, somebody with those those political and ideological values, but just more. Is this the party where I want to be to yeah. try to fight for those things or stand for those things? I just I don't know. Yeah. And, then, and then what I, about this thing with with uh, Wade Perry, the former Democratic chair who tweets out that, you know, um, Katie Britt was, you know, is a yeah, great person. Yeah. Uh, an awesome person. It was a super helpful during the old Roy Moore thing, uh, and Doug Jones deal. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, I have my own, own thoughts about, you know, kind of how that came about. I, I, I'm, I'm not so sure that it was just a, uh, spur of the moment, uh, type of, of, uh, of message that was sent out to people. Um, I believe there was some calculation, uh, there. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, there, there were, there was a lot of people on the, on the right. Uh, who thought, well, this is going to hurt her, uh, you know, in this in this race. And I'm I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I, I think it may actually help her um, because I think that there are a number of, uh, of Democrats that uh, that had crossed over uh, and voted in the primary and are now eligible to vote in the runoff uh, or who didn't vote at all. And I think um, having this this stark option uh, between Mo Brooks, who is, you know, let's be honest, a, a, a pretty big enemy to, to, to Democrats. You know, he's the face of the of everything that's wrong uh, in this state. Um, uh, you know, at least a lot of people believe that. Uh, moderates on on down, and um, or on up, I guess I should say. Yeah, you know, since we're at the higher ground, we've, we've got the higher ground. Uh, so on yeah, up. say that. Uh, say but that. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, um, uh, you know. Uh, so I, I think that such a statement, you know, if it's spread around, in which it has been, it's been spread around quite a bit over the last week or so, um, it, you know, kind of, you know, makes some Democrats, I think, say, hey, I, why wouldn't we go and do that? And I'm not sure that it necessarily sways Republicans not to vote for her. Uh, you know, if you weren't voting for her already, um I don't think that it does anything to you. And if you were voting for her, I don't think uh, that you can switch over to Mo Brooks. You know, I just I I just think that that there's too big of a gap between those two people. Yeah. And I and I think I I, I share your point of view. I don't know that this really hurts her. I, I guess time will tell. But I don't know that this really hurts her from a political standpoint, because the people that voted for her in all likelihood, um probably are more, I would say are probably more 
they're probably more pragmatic Republicans, probably less ideological, mm-hmm. uh, you know, less zealously to the right. I mean, Mo attracts a certain kind of Republican voter. And I and I doubt very seriously that mm-hmm. the people who voted for Katie Britt are in that category. So I don't know that they would be particularly bothered by any allegation that she may have helped, uh, you know, keep because the real the real, you know, what 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 Perry was really saying was, you know. She basically helped to keep Roy Moore out of office, which is what Richard mm-hmm. Shelby wanted. Yeah. And which is what obviously some 27,000 Republican voters wanted. Uh, so, you know, I don't know that I just don't know that that really hurts her. I think that probably accrues to her benefit. Um, and I don't think it gains Mo any I don't think it gains Mo any anything to speak of, really. I just I don't I don't see it that yeah. way either. I don't. I don't either. Um, and and listen, I, I you know I I don't think that anybody uh, that matters, um, you know, that uh, would have, like I said would have voted for her anyways. I think the overwhelming majority, ninety nine percent, I would say, uh, did not want Roy Moore in that office. Uh, I think the majority of people voting for Katie Britt are probably the same Republicans who went out and voted for Doug Jones um, at, to keep Roy Moore the hell out of there, um, and so. You know, uh, I, I just, um, uh, you know, I, I, I'll say, too, though, that um, uh, in, in looking at this, you know, there, there's now talk from the from the Republican Party in the state of trying to push through party registration voting. Um, I think that's bullshit. Um, I think, number one, I think the limitations that are currently in place are bullshit. Um, that you have, you can't, you, if you vote in a Democratic primary, you can't then switch over and vote in a Republican runoff. I think that is, I think it's a terrible way to conduct things. I think it's a terrible way to conduct things by saying that you're going to limit who you can vote for and who you can't vote for. In a lot of places, uh, in this state, uh, there are only Republicans running. And so if you're a Democrat in this state, those are the people who are going to represent you. You ought to have some say in that. All right. There should be some say in what you're doing uh, in there. And so it should be absolutely. Let's take the, the race over in Auburn between uh, Tom Watley and Jay Hubby, uh, where, you know, they're now claiming that Jay Hubby was elected by you know Democrats that crossed over and elected him uh, over Tom Watley by one vote. Uh, and they're trying to get the Republican Party to overturn that. That's bullshit, man. Uh, you know those people. That's their representative. That's the that's the person who's going to go to the to the state senate and represent that that district over there. They should absolutely have a say in that. They live there. You know this yeah. idea that we should be that it's okay to divide people up by party. It's not right. And I'll say that in uh, if there's some stuff in Jefferson County where there's only Democrats running, or you know wherever or Montgomery County where there's only Democrats running in some races, the Republicans should 100 percent be able to go over there and vote for the person that is that is going to represent them. You should have a say in this. That's the way this is supposed to work. It's not supposed to be divided up by damn parties and the parties decide all this stuff. That's a, a, a complete it completely goes against what we've been doing here. Well, I I agree with the uh, the principle that you're you're promoting, which is that ideally people should be free to vote for whoever they want um, without yes. restriction. And to me, 
that includes not only the things that you just addressed, Josh, but also the fact that um, in our state, it is very difficult for uh, people that are not part of one of the two major parties to get on the ballot. I think Mm -hmm. that's I think that's a bunch of BS as well. You know, as far as I'm concerned, the ballot should be a wide open space. And anybody who can qualify, you know, with some reasonable basic requirements, you know, Mm -hmm. legally, constitutionally, should be able to get on the ballot, no matter Green Party or Libertarian or or no party at all. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. it just shouldn't matter. I, I think that's that's a real democracy in my mind. Yeah. So so I agree with the the principle that you're espousing. I will though throw out this one not really a caveat, but but maybe sort of a side a parallel conversation or discussion where I'm going to deviate a little bit here and not in terms of what should be required or allowed, but in terms of how people ought to be thinking about such things. In my mind, um it is it when you have as we did in the u s senate race and 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 let me let me let me you know for those who may not know let me caveat let, let me let me qualify what I'm about to say by saying I'm clearly a biased person because I'm affiliated with the will Boyd campaign okay right but 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 when you have um as we did in this case when you have three people on the ballot, not one person, but more than one person on the ballot, then to me, it doesn't, it's not a good practice or strategy if I consider myself a Democrat to cross over and not vote in the Democratic primary so that I can try to influence who the Republican candidate is going to be. If there was one Democrat on the ballot, then I'd say, okay, I get that. You know, if you want to do that, you know, strategically, that might yeah. make some sense because you're going to vote in the general election for the Democrat. But, mm-hmm. but when you're trying to determine who the front runner should be, you know, in a multi-person race, if I'm a Democrat, to me, it makes more sense for me to make sure that I get the right Democrat, you know, as the front runner and then and let the Republicans worry about their own side of the ballot. That's what makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I, I'm a, I, you know, honestly, in the ideal world, what I would like to do is to remove uh, all designations on primary voting, and uh, and you get to vote for for whoever you want to uh, in those things. You get to vote for both in both the Republican and the Democratic primary, mm-hmm. uh, because to me, that uh, allows you to have a more representative government. Uh, it it forces both parties to recruit candidates that can be. Uh, that are appealing to both sides of the aisle and and all the people in between are there. You know, that that to me is what pushes you back towards the middle and and creates people who are more willing to go in uh, to Montgomery or to Washington and um, and compromise, you know, and, and because you have to appeal to and appease people on both sides of the aisle. It does away with all this dumb gerrymandering bullshit uh, that is that's killing us. Uh, if you if we open this up and allow everybody to vote in and all elections, all primaries, you know, people will say, well, there's a ton more uh, Republicans. Listen, man. OK, that's how it is. That's how it is. All right. Let's push them. 
Push them, put it out there. Let them, they can determine who wins in these Democratic races. I don't care. I don't care at all. Let them do it. Uh, you know what? As long as the 40% of people uh, of Democrats also get to vote in those Republican races over there and push them the hell away from that edge that they've been jumping off of over on the far right for far too long now. You know, that is what cures where we are right now in this state. That's what gets things okay. done to me. In my mind, that's what gets things done is you get an engagement from people because now they can go out and pick their people. They can go out and pick their representatives. So just, so just open it up and and the, the ballot is wide open so that I can, as a citizen, I can say, I like, uh, I like this. Okay. Yep. Yep. You get a, you get a, no more, no more party ballots. You get a full ballot that has, you know, the, the Democrats still elect their people, still, you know, put their people up on there. You still qualify as Democrats. You still qualify as Republicans, but you have a list of, in every race. So we, we would get to vote for, uh, Will Boyd and all the Democrats in the Senate race. We'd get to vote for Katie Britt and Mo Brooks and Mike Durant in the Republican race. Hmm. And that to me, no more, no more stupid ads. No more of this dumb, you know, it, I, you're talking now. You're going to get yourself back to uh, to focusing on because all those votes matter, you know. And you're, let's you're going to tell me you can tell me that you're in a race for U.S. Senate on the Republican side between Katie Britt, Mo Brooks, and Mike Grant. You're going to tell me that they're still going to run those dumbass ads that they ran. Do you think that they'd still do that? <laughs> Probably not. If they had to, no. if they had to appeal to the general population, exactly on the front exactly. end, exactly. Yeah, probably yes. not. Yeah, yeah, if they had yeah. in a tight race like that, you gonna tell me they'll they'll still run that stupid shit that they ran? No way. There's no chance they'd do it. They, that, there would be some focused people on what was going on in this state and what was what, and what mattered to people on both sides of the aisle, uh, as compared to what they were doing over there on that thing. And unless I, you know, to a lesser degree, Democrats. Although I've not seen a Democrat ad, so I don't know what one looks like. Uh, so it's uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what that would be, uh, but they're, uh, they're coming. They're uh, coming. Uh, but listen, I, I, you know, you know what I'm saying. Listen, yeah, this no, is, I got you. I got you. I, yeah, I, I, to got me, you. we've got to figure out a way off the edges on both sides, and uh, you know, and that because that's what we've done is we've gerrymandered this up uh, to the point where we're on the edges on both sides. Uh, of this and 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 most of the people, as my man Matthew McConaughey said, which is something else that we ought to talk about. By the way, that speech that that man gave, whew, uh, you know, at, at the White House was, yeah, a, a, yeah. I mean, it was all right, all right, all right, and it, I mean, um, you know, and he's right, he's a hundred percent right about what he said when he said we're not divided on this issue about guns. And we're not divided on most issues. You know what? We're not. We're not divided on most issues. We're, we're just not. Most people believe most of the same things. All right. You've just got the fringes out there that are that are collecting these nutcases and and they're driving this conversation so often and leaving the folks in the middle uh you know, behind, which is why all of them keep turning into Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trials and shit like that. I mean, that's that's you know, this is where we are, though. You know, um, and I, I just think that if we did it that way in this state and, and in every other state and you just stop this party nonsense and let people go out and vote for the people who are going to represent them, we get better. We get a better product. And I mean, that's what we're wanting. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We get a better product and I think we get a more 
representative mm-hmm. uh, product uh, as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's slide out of here. Uh, speaking of uh, representative product, uh, we have Representative Barbara Drummond, uh, who is uh, doing good work. And uh, we have more people like Barbara Drummond, but we're going to talk about an issue. Yeah, she's real sharp. She real is. Sharp. And, and, and she cares about the her local community. And that's mm-hmm. the people that you're looking for, man. I'm telling you, all politics mm-hmm. are local. Stop this national nonsense. Uh but uh, we're going to talk to her about an issue taking place down in Mobile and really kind of spreading around uh, to, to all the community colleges around the state. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting. So we'll be back in a minute. Alabama politics this week. I'm David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, you listen to me and Josh every week, and we have a blast as we talk about Alabama politics and culture and as we interview newsmakers and journalists about Alabama politics and culture. Thanks for your support of this great podcast, and I hope that you will continue to not only listen, but to share it with your friends And also give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. Thanks a lot. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person, and we are happy now to have Representative Barbara Drummond with us. Um, uh, Representative Drummond has been working, uh, first of all, we've had her on several times, and we always appreciate you coming in and spending some time with us. So thank you again for doing that. Thank thank you. Uh, Thank you all. So this time, though, is kind of issue specific, I guess, would be the best way to describe it, Uh, although we we may have a a couple of of straight questions. But um, really, we wanted to get you on to talk about this issue that's taking place down in Mobile uh, with Bishop State Um, and the the change in presidents, the abrupt change in presidents and uh, the fifth change in presidents, I believe, in in what, five years, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Um, correct. uh, You know, and just no, but this one has been a little different because this was a president uh, that was uh, that was very well liked, uh, that was respected by a lot of the business community people down there that he was working with in partnership in some of the Workforce Alabama things and other stuff that's going on and work job training programs that are taking place. Um, and all of a sudden he's out the door. Uh, and I know uh, the the delegation down there from from that area, the legislative delegation, is was very upset with this and and kind of caught off guard. Uh, can you kind of tell us what what is going on and 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 what made y'all uh, so upset with this? Well, well, well again, thank you all for having me on. On last Friday, um, we we found out that the now president, Dr. Lawrence Brandenburg, had been terminated as as interim president of Bishop State. Well, that news took us by surprise, one, because we felt he was doing a good job. And second, when this has happened in the past, we as a legislative delegation body has always been given notice from the chancellor 
that a change is about to happen. I, I go back to the previous pres, uh, president, which was a permanent president, Dr. Reginald Sykes. When Dr. Sykes announced his retirement, we were told on a Thursday and we were asked to come to the campus on a Friday. And I remember on that Thursday asking Dr. Sykes, Dr. Sykes, uh, why, you know, when are you retiring? And his comment to me was Friday. <laughs> And I, I mean, I, I sat back and just said to myself, you'd have to be Ray Charles not to be able to see that one. You don't you don't retire on a Thursday. I mean, announce it on Thursday and retire the, the following day. But not here now. He appointed Dr. Lawrence Brandenburg as interim president, which we certainly respected his decision. And we worked very hard with uh, Chancellor Bacon, Baker as we have with Bishop State. So this news kind of took us by surprise because only three weeks prior to now, we were on the campus of Bishop State at the new state-of-the-art manufacturing center that was built with a lot of state dollars with Airbus, which we worked very hard to recruit here to our region, announcing a thousand new jobs coming to our community and that those individuals will be trained at Bishop State. And one of the reasons this anchors us so much, Bishop State is a, a staple in our workforce development arm here in our region. If that doesn't, if this college does not work, it hampers our abilities here locally to be able to, to have people who are skilled workers for the workforce. We've worked really hard down here in South Alabama to recruit as well as the governor to recruit and bring in top-notch industry. And to be honest with you, we're on fire right now in South Alabama. And so this was rather troubling to us and we never received any notification from the chancellor that this was about to happen or that this, this happened. And, and, and Senator Vivian Davis figures took the initiative when we learned to call the chancellor and inquire. And she said that he was very abrupt with her refused to meet with us on that day, uh, would not meet with us on the Monday because it was a holiday and, and said he would meet by Zoom on Tuesday. We opted not to do, this is so important to our community for the students, the staff, as well as our community that we wanted, we want him to come to Mobile on the campus of Bishop State and we meet eye to eye. So we have as a delegation, 10 of us penned a letter uh, to the Alabama Community College Board of, Board of Trustees and asked for not only an in-person meeting on the campus, but we've also called for an investigation as to why Dr. Brandenburg was let go. And, and that, that's terribly simple. I mean, to this day, today is, is Thursday, we still have not gotten any kind of a word um, on, on right. why. Uh, and I, I want to make clear, um, Chancellor, Chancellor Baker, that's, that's Jimmy Baker, uh, who, who runs the, the, the two-year college system or community college system. Now they call it, uh, I think they changed it from the, from the two-year college uh, system name because it had such a negative connotation after the scandals that went on previously, uh, in there. Um, 
but I will say uh, the legislature, the legislature in the state. One of the things that I have, you know, obviously, I've been very critical of the of the legislature and writings and other words, and I think, uh, you know, rightfully so. But one of the things I have praised the, the legislature on both sides of the aisle for, uh, for doing is is creating within our community college system. Uh, uh, this job training programs that have gone on. I think they have been very, very beneficial to a lot of underserved communities uh, throughout the state. And I think they have led to thousands of Alabamians being able to get uh, really, really good paying jobs um, and, and, you know, and giving some people an opportunity that wouldn't ordinarily have it. And that's what y'all have done at, at Bishop State. I know uh, with that because Mobile is is really, really growing industry-wise because of, of the work that was done there. And I'll give another shout-out, uh, as, as we do, oddly, uh, uh, seemingly on every podcast, to Richard Shelby here. <laughs> I don't know why uh, that, that we give a shout-out, but he got a lot of money for that port, uh, to dredge the port out and make sure that that was good. And I think it's led to, a, to a, a lot of growth in that area and a lot of work of the Democrats in that area as well, uh, uh, bringing industry in. And so it, it it's it is really troubling. Well, let, let let me let yeah let me just say this: when you look at the history of Bishop State, we know we know that history. Bishop State has been a college that has had two of its presidents have been very long serving. Uh, former legislator Dr. Yvonne Kennedy was there for a very long time, and she was followed by Dr. James Lowe, who was there for seven years. So it has taken us a long time. You talked about the turmoil in the two-year college system. Bishop, of course, was a part of all of that. It has taken a great deal of effort. And, and I can only speak for me as a legislator. When you talk about supporting the system, we have. We have supported it tooth and nail because we know how important it is to do something to revitalize the workforce of, of, like you said, of those communities that are somewhat poverty stricken. But it, it, it is actually for the strength of our city and our state. And we see it happening here in Mobile. That's why this is so troubling. You know, the instability of leadership is not only causing a problem in us being able to 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 train skilled workforce, but you have to look at the student to be able to attract. This this can't be good for them as well as the staff over at Bishop State to keep having this revolving door of leadership. We've had five presidents since 2015. That is not a good look. That's not a good action. And and no one can tell us any of these folks were not qualified. As a matter of fact, the current interim president that was just terminated was recruited by Chancellor Jimmy Baker from mm-hmm. Texas to come and serve as executive vice president to the president. And of course, when the other president um, retired, he was then asked to step up and become interim president. The individual they have there now, I took the initiative and read his resume because we've not been introduced to that person. That person doesn't have anything but a bachelor's degree. And he actually worked in Chancellor Baker's office as a workforce development manager. Our community is far too important to us to have that kind of instability running this workforce development arm for training. It is too important. And something, as they say, Mm. something stinks in Denmark. And all we're asking for as a delegation 
is that we get to the bottom of this and we stop the stench. Okay. So, Representative Drummond, let me ask you for some specifics here. Uh, I'm looking at a story that was uh, reported by NBC 15 down there, and they're saying that that one accusation is that Chancellor Baker's action to terminate President Brandenburg, Brandyburg, uh, was due to the fact that he refused to appoint um, Mr. Fraser Payne, who was special assistant to the president, to the position of executive vice president back in March. Uh, is this is this something that you you concur with that allegation? I I can't concur with that. That I don't know. It is strictly something that has been told to us as a delegation. I don't have firsthand knowledge of that, so I can't concur with that. But it goes back to something I said earlier. Regardless of what the reasonings are, if if that is the true reason this man was terminated, we do not, we cannot politic with this college. You cannot run this college as as a political favor to whoever. I don't know. So I can't concur with that. If if you know that story was not concurred by me, that they did not get confirmation from me. So I can only tell you this is what we have been told as a delegation. I don't know. I won't be able to confirm that until we talk to the chancellor. All right. Well, let me ask a follow-up. Let's, uh, un- understanding your stipulation that you did not you can't confirm this and, and, and you don't have direct knowledge of this. Uh, this story also indicates that Mr. Payne, uh, despite the fact that uh, the president apparently or allegedly refused to promote him to executive vice president, that he was appointed the very next week as a special assistant to the chancellor and that he remained on the Bishop State campus. Can you confirm that that happened? I have no knowledge of that. Again, we are not in the inter day to day workings of Bishop State. Again, those are questions that should be posed to the chancellor. Okay. I have no. I I know that this individual is on the campus of Bishop State. I don't know what their duties or the terms of their duties or the salary. So I have no direct knowledge of any of that. Okay. It does seem, well, let's, let's just assume for the, the sake of argument that there's some validity to these allegations. Uh, is there any outward indication that you've been able to discern as to what, the, what makes Mr. Payne so special, so integral to the operation of Bishop State in the mind of Chancellor Baker? that he would have this kind of focus on him in terms of trying to move him up into the, um, in, in the administration there at the, at the college. Well, Mr. Person, I don't think that he is that special, just as I described the individual who's sitting in the chair right now. As I understand, Mr. Payne also only has a bachelor's degree. And let me say this, being special doesn't take you a whole a long way in the seat of the presidency at Bishop State. We thought Dr. Brandenburg was really good and special for Bishop State. We also doc- thought Dr. Sykes 
before him was very special and good for Bishop State. So being special, I have no knowledge of any of what you're talking about with Mr. Payne. So again, I, I, I don't want to curb the question, but I can't comment on something that I don't have firsthand knowledge or direct knowledge of. To me, I have only been told that until I am that is confirmed to me by the chancellor, I, I won't carry that any further. Yeah, you know, um, so I guess, uh, and first let me say, those must be really special bachelor's degrees. Uh, but, you know, um, <laughs> it, it um, so where, where do things stand now? I know you mentioned you wanted to meet with, with the chancellor, with Chancellor Baker. Uh, has, has a meeting been arranged? Well, well let me tell you, and, and, and Mr. Moon, you know from looking at the two-year college system, when, when the evolution of the changes came in the two-year college system, and, and I was certainly not intricately a part of that, but I was in the legislature and certainly supported those changes. You know that we took them from under the Board of Education, and now they operate with a board of they, uh, their own. It's under the Alabama Community College System Board of Trustees. So where we are now, we have sent, meaning our delegation, the Mobile delegation sent a rather, rather heated, rather strongly worded letter to each of the members of that board, which the governor ser serves as the chair, also has gone to her because there's a problem here. And so we have sent it to those members. And so we're now waiting for them to get back because we didn't just ask to meet with the chancellor. We want to meet with the board. I have also personally spoken to our appointee in South Alabama on that board who said he shares the same concerns as our delegation. So we're waiting to hear back from them. Uh, since then, we have heard from other colleges in Alabama who are having some of the similar problems that Mobile is having. We didn't know that. And they're all reaching out to us from Sheldon State, from Trenholm, from Bevel. Uh, so this seems like a problem that is not just unique to Mobile, but a problem that is unique to the state, which means it raises to the concern of us as policymakers. Because I certainly was very, very adamant about making the changes to the two-year college system because I knew how important it was to our workforce development initiatives. But I am now concerned that we have created a system that doesn't seem to be answerable to anybody, and that needs to change. Yeah, you know, that, uh, this, I'm glad you brought up those other colleges because that was going to be my, my next question, my last uh, for you, I, I, I hope. But um, um, there are a lot of problems in other places. Uh, Shelton State, I believe, has had 10 presidents in the last 11 years. Um, Actually, 11. Oh, 11. 11, presidents. 11 in the last 11 years. Okay, nice. Um, and uh, something similar has happened at Bevel, something similar has happened at Trenholm, something similar has happened at a couple of other uh, community colleges around here. The, the turnover is astronomical. And, um, and you may not know the answer to this, but does, is the chancellor uh, uh, supposed to be able to fire presidents like this? Well, under, under the law, when we made those transition and the changes to the two-year college system, he is not. It, it actually falls to the board. 
And there is nowhere that I have seen, I know here locally, uh, I, I asked that very pointed question of the person who was point, appointed from South Alabama, did he have prior knowledge uh, to Mr. Brandenburg's termination? And of course he said he couldn't discuss it because of personnel matters, but you know, and, and, and I am part one of these people who have a little bit of wisdom to know that if there's a long pause, that that's right. a no, I didn't know. So I don't think I don't think that they they knew. And and I and I, I really you know, I really don't think that um, a lot of what is happening, um, all of most of the people who have called me with these concerns are other legislators uh -huh. because these colleges are in their respective areas. And we all are concerned because Alabama is a great place to do business. And if the skill work, we don't have a skilled workforce. We won't be able to supply the jobs. And, and when you look at, for me, you look at the poverty rate in our state, we need to do everything that we can to raise up all, lift all, all tides in Alabama from those who are poverty stricken so that they can become very sustainable individuals and citizens in our community. And the two-year college system is doing that, especially in rural Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Well, um, I said that was last one, but this, uh, maybe this one will be. I'm assuming that the, the schools are accredited by some agencies uh, out there. Um, so in the violation of the governance, something to be concerned with? Well, I, 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 we are. We are in Mobile. We, we even said that when we had our press conference that our accreditation is, is an area that we have paused for. And and uh, have you know we don't know, but we hope that SACT uh, is looking at that because that certainly could have an impact upon the accreditation, not only of Bishop but our two-year college system. Period. Well, well, I hope that uh, we we can get this straightened out in some way, shape, or form, and uh, you know, and, and move move this forward, and, and at least you know, restructure the way things are being done because uh, you, you've essentially got a dictator at the top of a, uh, of a major college si system, you know, a government system throughout the state. You got one person making all the decisions on hiring and firing people. And that's, uh, that never ends well. It always leads to corruption at some level. So, um, you know, well, that's, that, that, that's, a, that's an interesting phrase that you said because Senator figures uh, issued a statement and that's exactly what she said, that this is a dictatorial tool style of leadership mm -hmm. in our state. Yeah. I mean, you got a board there for a reason. <laughs> we can't, you need to use it at some point. Uh, but uh, listen, Representative Drummond, thank you for, for coming on and, and talking about this and kind of shedding some light on what's going on. And, and, and you know, it's a real problem. And hopefully uh, through, through the work of, of y'all and the, and, and the delegation down there and through, and, and uh, legislators across the state, maybe we can, uh, we can create some change here and, and make things run a little more smoothly and get this very, very important system to, to operating uh, correctly. So thank you for coming well, on. Well, well, thank you. And after all, what we're trying to do is make things better for the people of Alabama. And this is certain, certainly one of those avenues. Thank you all. Thank you, Josh and David. All right, thank you. Uh, Representative Barbara Drummond, uh, you know, joining us on that, and and she's right. It's a, uh, you know, that that situation it, down there. You, you can't. I mean, you can't do that. I mean, you know, I mean, it's a. Uh, you, you just if you just stand back and and look at what at the information, uh, you know, 
you know it's not right. It doesn't it doesn't pass a, a smell test. You know when when you when you have a, a, a college system like this and you tell and you tell people that you've got one person that's basically hiring and firing everybody. Everybody looks at that like no, that's not. Wait a minute, that can't be right. You know, I mean, calling the guy to Montgomery and telling him that he's going to be fired unless he you know puts a uh, puts a person in a in a certain spot, which again, that's the allegations from one side. I understand that, and I'm sure uh, Jimmy Baker will have a a, a different uh, you know understanding of the way things went down. But you know, you know, I mean, there is. I mean, we know that in constitutional law, uh, there is a concept called mm-hmm. due process, and so whenever you you don't see due process being exercised. I mean, it's it transcends the validity of that concept, transcends, you know, civil law or criminal law. I think it applies to uh, corporate, you know, situations mm-hmm. as a as a as a valid concept and in and, and other areas of life. So when you see that being usurped or yeah. circumvented, it's going to raise questions. You know, there should be there should be a method. There should be accountability for making such a dramatic change. And then I also have to say this. Now I'm on the I'm on the foundation board of Drake State Technical College and, and mm-hmm. HBCU. So when I hear these sorts of allegations being made, uh, and and as I'm watching this or listening to you and Representative Drummond talk, what really occurs to me is, uh, you know, what what kind of motivation exists here for these sort of actions to take place? And then, you know, my next thought is, what kind of danger, perhaps, could Drake State be in or some other? HBCU up in this yeah. part of the state. Oh, well, you know? listen. Uh, so it, it definitely. Oh, raises you're you're 100 right. When when you've got this kind of stuff floating around out there, this this sort of mess. I mean, you know that it's going on at a variety of different places. I mean, we've we've heard the stories from people, and um, you know, I it, it's a I, I spoke with um, uh, President uh, Randy Berg's brother, who is an attorney. And who is handling this uh, this situation for for his brother? And uh, although you know, he said very very plainly he would like to not be uh, because this is not really his his style of law. Uh, but um, you know he said uh, you know he laid out kind of what happened and uh, you know what what went on with uh, with his brother being you know being called down there and uh, to or being called up to Montgomery. Um, and and Jimmy Baker essentially telling him you know listen we're going to go in a different direction. Um, and here's two options. Either we can fire you today or we can fire you, uh, in a, in a few months. Uh, you know, if you'll sign a non-disclosure agreement, you know, again, it's the allegations from one side. I want to make that clear. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I, will say this, I, you know, I've been around university and university governance for, for a long time. That's kind of, you know, where I started covering things. And, and when I started my career in reporting and stuff was, was covering a university and, and kind of the ins and outs of that. And the one thing that I've always noticed in that is if you have a lot of interim people or you have interim people in important positions, there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is those people are very easy to fire. They don't get they don't get a lot of that due process that you're talking about. They can you can call you to Montgomery and fire you just like that. And you hang those things over people's heads 
Um, and you can get them to do a lot of things that you want them to do. And so yeah. let me, so let me ask you before we have to end this segment, let me ask you a couple of quick questions. Um, um, one, since you talked to Brandy Berg, the attorney, the brother of the former president, did he um, give you any indication as to why this Mr. Payne, you know, now mm-hmm. he's made the allegation that this Mr. Payne was, you know, so yeah. pivotal to apparently, according to him, to the decisions that were being made by Baker. Did he give any indication as to why Payne was such a special person or so central? He did not. He didn't know other than, you know, he's had some longevity. Apparently he has previously held that position as an assistant to the chancellor. Um, And, and so, and has worked in some, uh, some uh, offices of some congressmen, Uh, Bradley Byrne, I believe was the most recent one. And uh, so, you know, he has, he's been around for a while. Um, You know, the, the, and I'll, and I'll also say that, um, you know, while he feels, uh, his brother feels uh, fairly confident that that was what led to that, you know, there's still a little bit of distance in there between that. He called, he called uh, Brandenburg, uh, the president, President Brandenburg, uh, Jimmy Baker called him to Montgomery about a month ago and asked him, uh, you know, to, to promote uh, this Fraser Payne guy to, uh, executive vice president. Uh, Brandenburg told him he would take it under consideration. Uh, then he went back to, to Bishop and uh, then a few days later called him and said, you know, listen, I, I don't really feel comfortable with that. He doesn't have the qualifications necessary for this position. There's some other people here that I feel like are, are more qualified for it and more deserving. Um, and from that point forward, he said, you know, at that point, Baker didn't really say anything to him. But from that point forward, the relationship he felt chilled uh, until he got a call out of the blue last Friday, as uh, Representative Drummond told us, and was called back to Montgomery. No idea what for. No no conversations had taken place. Nothing had been said. And told him we were going to go in a different direction. Uh, he was supposed to take over as the full president uh, the, the next week. Yeah. Right. So now let me ask you mm-hmm. one other question. These institutions have boards yes. of trustees. What role or what is the response of the board of trustees to what has just happened? And and shouldn't they be playing a role in trying to protect the integrity of the office? Of the yeah, president? you know, I, I, I'm going to be honest and tell you that I am not really familiar with uh, the responsibilities um uh, related to the trustees for the colleges and the and the board uh, at the state level uh, that governs the entire system uh, and the chancellor and how all of these positions intertwine in, in terms of making these sorts of decisions. Uh, I would assume on a normal at a at a, at a regular university, a four year university, uh, you know, the trustees obviously would make the decision on who to hire for for their president, you know, and who to fire. Exactly. Um, and and exactly. there's not, but you know, also though, I'll say in that position, there's no higher authority there like there is at the two year system with uh, a chancellor and a board that's there at the at the state level to to govern all these things. So I, I'm not I'm not sure what the you know what the relationship is there, what that working relationship is, and it's something I need to. I will. I will. You know, 
I'll make sure I know it before I write anything about it. I'll be, I'll tell you that. But, you know, as, as we speak today, I'm just not honestly sure what that relationship is and where the responsibility is. I know this. I know that there's no way in hell that one guy should be usurping all those people, though. There's no way that that's the proper way yeah. for this thing to flow. And I, I agree with that. And I'll just add as a supplement to what you just said, I'm going to say this. There's no way in hell that the board of trustees doesn't have some authority and some power as it relates to, uh, I'll say, protecting the integrity of that office. Uh, otherwise, they are no, a tiger and, and they'd be useless. Exactly. Because boards of trustees are not supposed to be dealing in day-to-day operations. Their main responsibility at these universities and colleges is to essentially supervise the president and to, and to um, you know, <clears throat> get involved in the creation and implementation of policy, or not implementation, but mm-hmm. the creation of policy. So, I, you know, this, this, this is, again, this is a very, this raises a lot yes, of does. questions. It just raises a tremendous yeah, and it's not, I understand that it's, uh, you know, uh, for, for people, it's not necessarily a sexy topic. You know, it's not, uh, not something that people were, but listen, this affects thousands upon thousands of people. It affects the way the state operates. It affects the way uh, the ability for people to go out and, and be trained for better jobs. It affects a, a number of different industries in this state that are coming in. And uh, to me, I think it's something, it's one of those things that um, is one of the reasons why I hate that so much of politics has been nationalized uh, because we lose focus on things like this. Uh, that really, truly matter on a day-to-day basis for everyday working Alabamians. And so, uh, anyways, I'm, I'm happy that we could we could shed some light on it and uh, and hopefully we can get to the bottom of some of this and maybe weed out what, what's going on here. But, all right, let's, uh, let's slide out. We'll come right back, wrap this thing up. Alabama Politics This Week, back in a minute. Everybody, if you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty. Welcome back. Uh, Alabama politics this week. Uh, Josh Moon, David Person, and uh, yeah, thanks to Representative Barbara Drummond for coming on for a few minutes there and, uh, yeah. and explaining that's a really, uh, really strange thing we're going to get to the bottom of. Uh, but um, um, you know, we were we were talking earlier uh, about uh, uh, the McConaughey uh, speech. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, where pounded the podium and the uh, you know, which is man, understandable. Talk. I, listen, I. I'll be honest, uh, there have been very few speeches that have really, really gotten to me. Um, and I mentioned this on, I think, on a Facebook post or 
Twitter post or something that I did up. Um, uh, Obama's after Newtown, uh, you know, where he was, mm-hmm. he was wiping tears off his face uh, as mm-hmm. he was talking about the kids. And uh, I got me. And um, and this one with McConaughey, man, when he was talking about those shoes and the letter that the little girl wrote uh, and, you know, it's. I, I, I said I had to pause it uh, a few times, man, and just, you mm. know, and 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 just wait a few minutes and, and then go back to it. I mean, I wanted to hear what he had to say. I think it was important for everybody to hear, you know, what he said. Um, and the dismissing of him as a Hollywood actor or whatever is bullshit. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is bullshit. Mm-hmm. That man was from Uvalde, lives, uh, spent a lot of time in Austin, went to school at UT, spends a lot of time around there, was talking about running for the governor of Texas. Um, I have, I, I'm a little bit unique in, in McConaughey as I have a friend. We have a very, a very close mutual friend. Um, matter of fact, I've been in a movie with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a, oh, it, it was, was a, it was a birthday wish to our mutual friend. Uh, so but, we were oh, both wishing him birthday. Yeah. So, uh, but I, listen, it's going on the credits. Okay. Um, well, so, hey, put, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's, uh, and so I know a little bit about McConaughey and how he deals with people and, and stuff. And, uh, I think he's a good dude. Um, you know, do I, do he and I agree on everything politically? No, no. But I think on this topic specifically and on some others as well, I think uh, he is right on, uh, with this. And I think he captures a lot of what, uh, average people, not that he is necessarily an average working class, uh, guy. Uh, right. but I think that he, uh, he captures what a lot of average people in America believe about uh, political issues and that, that, and, and that's that, we're not at the outer edges on things uh, on this. And this gun issue is one of them. I think, I think that what he said there not only captures what average people think, but I think it captures what average gun owners think about things. I think that average gun owners and there's polling on this as well. And that, that gun owners in America overwhelmingly agree with some of the proposed regulations in terms of uh, universal background checks, red flag laws, storage laws, uh, a, a lot of these things. They agree on a lot of them. Um, and I think that says something. And so you have a really small minority of people out there that are dictating this whole thing because it's easier to stop something than it is to get something done. All right. Uh, and I felt like, you know, I think it was on here last week where you and I were talking about uh, and I was saying I wish there were a better word than gun control because I thought it had taken on yeah. such a negative connotation. And his gun responsibility, I think, is a really good replacement for that. I think, you know, we're talking about gun responsibility. We're not talking about gun control. We're talking about gun responsibility. And I, I think that that is uh, because, you know, listen. It, it couldn't be better if you were if you were weighing it out and testing it with with groups of people. It couldn't be better because it takes on that whole we're the party of personal responsibility thing from Republicans. Remember, remember that when yeah. they used to be that and they used to claim yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think it ties directly into that. And I think it speaks to the average person. It removes the negative connotation of gun control that has been uh, misused uh, for so long. And I, I think it's a it's a great term. Uh, but, well, you know, I, I just thought that 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 speech that he gave there was was really genuine and uh, and and heartfelt. And I thought it was really, really good one. 
Well, it sure seems like it. I'm, I'm looking at a line here from the speech where he said responsible gun owners are fed up with the Second Amendment being abused and hijacked by some deranged individuals. Regulations are not a step back. They're a step forward for a civil society and the Second Amendment. That's a, those are two powerful sentences right there. And, and I think they do encapsulate the way many of us feel, uh, whether we're gun owners or not. Uh, I, I guess I'll say, um, you know, I, I agree with you that he shouldn't be discounted because he's a Hollywood actor. I fully agree with that. I do question, though, whether or not in the final analysis it's going to matter. You know, I keep coming back to the fact that these, uh, when the Parkland, Florida kids were speaking out, kids who were actually, um, who could have died themselves, obviously children, I thought, this is it. This is the moment where we turn the corner because we're now looking at our young people and not just any young people, but actual survivors. And it did nothing. It did nothing. I just think, I think, I think the only card that we have left to play, and this was in one of my columns uh, um, this month or last month, well, last month, I think the only card we have left to play is the Mamie Till card. I think we just got to, some brave parent is going to have to put their, the bullet riddled body of their child on display for America to see, for it to be seared into our, our brains and our consciences. And I think that's the only, and and then do it and, and go even further than Mamie Till did it because Mamie Till only did it the one time at the at the funeral for mm-hmm. uh, Emmett Till, and then of course Jet Magazine and and others, you know, took that image forward. But I think you almost have to make a crew build a crusade around it, you know, where you got got these parents. That's the only way that I think Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans will be shamed into doing what what the rest of us are asking for, which is responsible you know, legislation. Well, that is, unless maybe, uh, you know, a, a conservative Supreme Court justice is almost killed by one of these weapons. Maybe maybe somebody then would do something. Uh, because, man, yeah. they, they're all over yeah. that, aren't they? But they're all yeah, over that, getting point. that done because somebody had a gun in Brett Kavanaugh's neighborhood. Uh, and, oh, what an outrage that is, uh, that uh, he's, uh, you know, it was in the neighborhood of Brett Kavanaugh. It must have been, it must have been tough for him. I hope Brett reduces the number of doors he has in his house. Uh, you know, it's... Um, or I'm sorry, bro. Um, uh, you know, I, I I hear what you're saying, and I I, I know that that's that you're probably right. I'll tell you one thing uh, that I think would make a difference, maybe just short of that, and that's uh, the release of those 911 calls. Uh, you know, you hear those kids talking with those bullet uh, with a with a gun firing in the background, and then begging for help okay. inside those okay. classrooms. I think that okay. uh, that that turns some people as well, but. Um, I, I know exactly what you what you mean, though. I, and I'm, I'm skeptical. Uh, and I'm not saying McConaughey speech is necessarily going to push anybody over the edge. I, I'm not I'm not crazy enough. I've seen this enough to know that that's you know, there, there's too much resistance, uh, uh, too much money on the other side of this. And uh, and that's really what's driving it. It's it's profit. Yep. 
uh, and, yep. and campaign funds and things like that. They don't give a shit about the people or who's, who's talking about this or whatever, or second amendment this or that. They'll, as we've seen, they don't mind at all, at all carving up the constitution to do whatever in the hell they want to do. Okay. They don't never have and never will. Uh, they'll do whatever they want to do with it. Um, and so I, you know, I, I just think that it's, uh, I think we're getting closer, uh, on this. Um, I, but I, I'll be honest and say this too. Um, I I don't want a compromised bill. You know, there's all this talk now from from Chris Murphy and some of these others. Well, we're going to get something done. We're going to get something. We're going to push it forward. You know, we're going to get something. It may not be what we want. We're, we're probably not going to get it. You know, to raise the age to 21 or to you know uh, ban assault weapons or you know these other things that we're talking about. We're going to get something done. We're going to. I don't want something done. I want these things done, you know, and I would prefer you to put these things out there, put them to a vote. And if they're not going to vote on them, go on record, not voting on them. Okay. If, uh, these things that 85% of the country agree on, divide them up. I don't want to see a single bill. I want you to divide up all these things and I want you to put them all out there. And I want to see Republicans on record not voting for universal background checks. I want to see them on record not voting for red flag laws. I want to see them on record voting for these safety issues that that, that are up there. I want to see that. Mm -hmm. Do that. I I mean, and if you lose on these and they don't vote for them and nothing gets done, that's the way that it is. And we'll let the American people determine it. Okay. But, you know, this is your I'm so tired (laughs) I'm so tired of Democrats not knowing how to play this game. You know, it's just like that the bill that McConnell went on and on about with the with the SCOTUS securities uh, people, you know, the justice security thing. Oh, I want it passed by the end of the day. You know what? I just send a message. If I was Nancy Pelosi, I would send a message going saying, we're going to repackage this. And it's going to be the SCO- the Supreme Court Justice and American Children Security Act. Mm. And we're going to include everything that you've got in here. And then we're going to put in all of these security measures that we want for the gun control. And if you want to pass them, pass them. Because we're going to pass the hell out of them over here in the House. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Then it's on you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But don't send it back over here without this stuff in there because it ain't going. Mm -hmm. I I love Uh, it, Josh. I love it. That's I love it. Yeah, great idea. Uh, but you know we're not. They're not going to do it. They're, I know they're not going to do it. They're going to they're going to pass this shit right out, and and that's how they're going to play this game. It's just like when they broke up the COVID money from the Ukraine money, and uh, just how they you know they did the other stuff, the PPP stuff with the you know uh, the ARPA money and the and mansions you know trying to pass the infrastructure bill while not passing the other the other funding bills. That's that's how they're going to do it. You know uh, they're they're going to miss the football. Lucy's going to move that football again. Uh, and they're going to be just as surprised as they always are. Um, and so, you know, there we are. But, um, oh, yeah, well, we were going to talk, too, about um, the the issue in Huntsville uh, yeah. that uh, is now uh, a young lady has filed suit. April mm-hmm. Grubb? Grubbs? Or yeah, Grubb. April Grubb. Uh, has filed a lawsuit uh, because she was shot by a rubber bullet, correct? Yes. Uh, actually, by... In the lawsuit, she says she was shot six times. And the thing that's really uh, uh, disturbing to me that she alleges in the lawsuit is that um, is that she was shot. She says that she was shot at least some of those times while walking backwards away from 
mm-hmm. law enforcement. So you have to question, um, you know, why are they shooting rubber bullets at someone who, at least based on her account, is unarmed? Mm-hmm. You know, the only crime, if you want to call it that, and I don't know that it is really, truly, but anyway, the only crime that she committed allegedly was, um, you know, maybe not being uh, responding as quickly as they wanted uh, her to respond to the order to leave the area. Mm-hmm. You know, why did that require her being shot at all? Let alone being shot six times and she's mm-hmm. unarmed. You well, know, if, why did if they have the authority to order her to re- to leave a public area anyway? You know, say wait, say that again. I'm sorry. So why why did they have an authority to to force her to oh. leave a public area when she was not violating any law anyway? Right. Well, I and and I and I think that's a great point as well, which is why I said I'm not sure if it was really yeah if what she was doing was against the law anyway. I mean, they may say. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know if if there's some kind of statute out there that says you, if you know, you have to obey what is believed to be a lawful command or something. I don't know, but whatever. But I think that you raise a good point. There's probably it's probably valid to question whether or not it was a lawful order. But assuming that it was, why did it necessitate her being shot? Yeah, with rubber six bullets? times, yeah. six times. Well, listen, she's unarmed, I, wait, 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 wait a minute though, that. That this didn't happen, no, because we know from the former chief of Huntsville Police that they didn't shoot anybody with rubber bullets. They don't even have rubber bullets. Come on, David, this didn't happen. I mean, this is. I mean, that whole scene, that whole scene that took place there was atrocious. Um, they're going to end up paying this lady. And, you know, come on, they're going to end up paying this lady. And uh, because there's no way, there's no way an average person could look at what took place in that park that night um, and think that what the the police's actions were reasonable. They were were hopped up by a guy at the top, the chief, the former chief, who was misled by idiotic Facebook posts who had sent his cops running around to hotels all over the area all day long looking for Antifa uh, and and other outside agitators. Uh, there's no evidence whatsoever of any of these people being involved in anything. Um, and all everybody who was arrested was right from the general area, and all of them were, were later released because they, they didn't have anything to hold them on. So, and, and they went around shooting people with tear gas and rubber bullets that posed them no threat that to this day, I have not heard of, was there an officer injured? Was, I think there was one that was hit with something. Uh, but I, I can't even remember what that was. Yeah. Now, I don't, I don't remember. I don't actually remember an officer being injured, but maybe there was one. I, I could have sworn yeah. that, you know, they came out and they, they talked about, I, I want to say there were two guys, there were two cops uh, that, that had to be, Treated for something that I don't believe either one of them went to uh, to any sort of a healthcare facility or anything. I think they both uh, were treated at the scene for. I think I want to say somebody uh, they threw a bottle or something that hit hit somebody. Or, uh, but I, even that, I'm not a hundred percent. I have to go back and read the stories. But regardless, you know, I mean, we're we're not talking about 
people, you know, firing rocks at them or throwing uh, Molotov cocktails or something at the right. cops here. Uh, right. This was a, a fairly, it wasn't fairly, it was a peaceful demonstration that was taking place at the park. Uh, and they wanted the thing to end. Uh, and they went about it in a way that you would see in some third world country, man, where, you know, with dictators running the, the yeah. show here, it was completely ridiculous and completely different from what took place in other cities around uh, the state, including in Montgomery, for example, where Stephen Reed and his chief of police got together and talked about how they wanted to handle, uh, you know, protests and, and, and similar uh, demonstrations. And it, they, they handled them completely differently. They took their cops yeah. out of uniform put them into plain clothes, uh, put them out there, directed people where to go and how to be, and then they just took a hands-off approach and said, listen, man, protest yourselves out. Do whatever mm-hmm. you need to do here. Uh, you know, protest away in this general area here. We're good. We're Everybody's fine. Do Stay as long as you want to stay. They had zero problems. Yep. Zero. Yep, yep, yep. You're exactly right. And uh, I brought this up with uh, the last time Mayor Battle and I had a uh, – conversation, which was uh, last year, I brought this up with him in our meeting uh, that, that the Rosa Parks committee had with mm-hmm. him. And uh, he, um, you know, he just kind of shrugged it off, you know, and that, you know, I don't, you know, I will forever be bewildered by the the response of both Mere Battle and uh apparently outgoing police chief Mark McMurray on this. Other than I will say, I think, I think you alluded to something that's right on spot on, which is that I think McMurray um, um, apparently has been highly influenced by extreme right wing quarter sort of propaganda mm-hmm. and has bought into um you know this this idea of a highly militarized police force and and um and you know and and you know this this idea that there are all these shadowy sketchy figures out there you know looking yeah. to uh looking to wreak havoc and raise hell in our in in our city and i just you know i you know i mean i don't <laughs> I don't know what to do about that other than we just we got to get rid of them and they and they need to make a and they need to whoever his replacement is going to be just needs to be somebody with a little bit more brain. I mean, <laughs> we, we need a different look. We need a different look. We need a different approach to policing. It's just it. Yeah, it's uh, you're right. Um, you know, I I, I felt uh, you know the, as though uh, Chief Finley down in Montgomery was a, was a pretty good guy. Uh, you know, there there was uh, another guy there, Kevin Murphy, who who was run out uh, mm-hmm. down in Montgomery. Who mm-hmm. I felt like he was the guy that gave his badge to uh, John Lewis, Congressman Lewis, when he came through to to apologize for how he was treated uh, during the Freedom Rides in Montgomery when they were beaten at the bus stop there, and uh, and the police chief turned up, turned his back on him and walked away. They were being beaten, and so that was his apology. And 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 Kevin Murphy took took real. He really really bought into community policing. Uh, he was he, he had looked at the data. He'd gone to a bunch of seminars, and uh, he he was really wanted to to take the department in that direction where uh, they they did a lot more community outreach. They worked with ASU uh, on on different programs and training programs, um, and you know he got a lot of pushback. He got a lot of pushback from officers, and I'll say, you know, disappointingly, he got a lot of pushback from officers who were both black and white. 
uh, there uh, on that. Um, and they felt like they that was taking away their control of the situations and undermining their authorities at times. And um, and so that basically led, I believe, to him being ousted. But, um, you know, I, I feel like somebody like that in Huntsville would do would work wonders because I think that you, you have a situation there where it's not you're not in a crime riddled city. OK, it's not Huntsville's, Huntsville's crime rate for a city of its size and growing as it is, is, is relatively low. Um, and, and I feel like you could, if you had a, a police chief there who could kind of bridge the gap, um, there between, you know, everybody and, and be a police chief kind of for everybody, uh, you could do that. And, and I, I feel like there, there are chiefs out there who can, and, and you could, nobody, nobody wants cops to not be cops. Okay. I'm, nobody says that. I mean, you're going to arrest people for crime, stop crime, be around, you know, uh, do all the things that, that, that you're there for, but also do them in a constitutional, uh, manner, uh, you know, follow the laws and, and there's no reason to be assholes. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no reason to be assholes to people. Uh, there's just not. Hey, you, you, uh, before I forget, there's a series, uh, that has been on, um, uh, Jeez, I can't remember if it's Stars or Showtime. It's called We Own This City. Oh, man. I, you, I can't believe you're about to, I was Honest, I swear to God, this is so funny. I was just about to talk to you about this. I swear to God, I was going to bring this up. It's on HBO. Yeah. Uh, oh, HBO. Okay. Yeah, it's on HBO. Yeah. It's David. It's a David Simon series. Yes. Um, and it's about Baltimore. It's a. Mm-hmm. It's based on the book We Own This City, which was written by a Baltimore Sun reporter uh, mm-hmm. about the police corruption that went on there. It's it's fantastic. It is yeah. so good. I'm uh, yeah. four episodes in. Yeah, I've I've seen all six episodes and the level of corruption <laughs> in that police department. Yeah. Well, really in that city. Mm-hmm. It's not because it even goes beyond the police department, but but especially in the police department is just absolutely stunning. Yes. I mean, you basically had there was literally I, I can I think I can say this without giving anything away since you haven't seen all the episodes yet. But I don't think there's literally any distinction that you could make between the cops and the crooks. There's none. They were selling drugs. They were robbing people. I mean, they were straight up robbing people out of their pockets, you know, just taking money from them, standing on the street and and uh, and, you know, going into their homes and taking money uh, and and guns and reselling the guns. And there was one incident. uh, I, I don't I'm not even sure if this is in the show or if it was just in the book, but there was one incident. In which um, there was a riot, you know, the, the the Freddie Gray riots took place, and a Walgreens pharmacy, I believe, it was Walgreens or CVS, one of the two, and they uh, they had broken in. The cops went in and cleared the people out and protected the pharmacy. One of the cops that were there went in and stole the drugs from the yep. pharmacy and then sold them himself to yep. the to the guys, and they split the money. Yep. And I mean, it was just it's insane uh, the level of corruption that was there, but. You know what? What got what gets me in there a lot is uh, this this look at how they were policing uh, just overall in the department, and, in which it was perfectly legal and uh, and a standard practice to just go out and round people up and arrest them. You know, yep. even though they knew they were going to be back out on the streets because the arrests were bullshit, uh, they would just go out and arrest people. Uh, so you know, of course, it was all black people, time. poor black people, uh, but. 
You know, so they could rack up overtime. Yeah. yeah, so they could rack up overtime, yeah. and they're under the guise of they were, you know, putting people in jail to make the streets safer, get them off mm-hmm. the streets at night, no more shootings. Um, and yeah. you know, it would, just, and it was just, can you imagine if you went through? Uh, you know, they used to have these concerts in uh, in the park in, in Montgomery and Cloverdale, and it'd be nothing but a bunch of white people out there. Can you imagine if cops rolled through and started busting that thing up and just took a bunch of people to jail? Can you imagine mm-hmm. the outrage, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's insane, man. But no, yeah. it, you're right. And it's, th- those are the types of things that you're, we're, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to, we would like to avoid. Uh, That's right. We don't want Huntsville to become a Baltimore yeah, on any level, not not in terms of what's happening on the streets, and not and definitely not in terms of what's happening with uh, the police department. Yeah, um, uh, it's a great I, series, though, man. And uh, David oh, yeah. Simon is he is yeah. really really good at that. Uh, and and you if know, you haven't watched it, the, the Wire, you know, as yeah, well, as, uh, as yeah, you well, the Wire, yeah, the Wire is uh, phenomenal television. And uh, mm-hmm. but we own the city, like you said, based on. Real people, real incidents, yeah. and um, I actually met uh, the the city attorney that they keep referencing, uh, Marilyn Mosby. I actually met her uh, uh, at a fundraiser uh, that Erica Alexander did for her in in uh, L.A. I met her there, and um, she's a sharp young woman. She's facing some challenges right now. Um, you know, some allegations that she misused some CARES Act money, but uh, yeah. but. She's a sharp young lady, and I, I I hope that I hope she can sort of work this other situation out. Yeah, yeah, I you know I I just um, it, you know what gets me too in that in there is is you see that there are so many cops in there who who want to do a good job, uh, you know who 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 take it seriously, um, uh, the. Uh, guy, uh, the guy that played Marlowe in The Wire, uh, who is uh, you know, a detective here, was a detective in that uh, in the Bosch series, um, uh, and you know, you know, he's he's one, you know, they're, they're just trying to do a good, want to do a good job, uh, you know, and 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 I think that that's that's very representative of of a lot of cops, you know. Yeah. Now, well, there's something I can't tell you since you haven't seen. Oh uh, well, okay. So it's, it's coming. He's gonna he's gonna make a mistake. But okay, well, uh, yeah, something like that. It, it's interesting. We should talk about it after you see it. Okay, all right. Uh, we we can definitely do that. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, let's say if, if you haven't seen it, go go and go and check it out. And uh, you know, uh, the wire. And uh, you know, maybe maybe we get done with that. Better call Saul. You could you could do that as well. That's a great uh, series as well. It is. I did not realize they were taking a mid season break, and so I started watching the thing before it was all recorded. And so now I'm stuck at the mid season break, like a normal viewer. Uh, <laughs> really pissed me off. I had two other episodes recorded there. I thought that was going to be the end of the series, man. And I was looking forward to that. Oh, I got two episodes left, and it was the talking Saul nonsense yeah. from there, where the guys sit around and talk about what you just saw in the episode. Yeah. Uh, man, I was so irritated. What's a job? Uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, our right wing nut of the week, uh, Steve Scalise. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, the the uh, the uh, Congressman Scalise in uh, discussions about uh, response. You know, in the aftermath of what happened in uh, Uvalde and mm-hmm. some of these other shootings, made the very asinine statement that. Um, well, they didn't ban airplanes after nine eleven. <laughs> Serious? 
It's so stupid, man. It's stupid so stupid. dumb. It's so dumb. It's, you know, look, I can't carry a big bottle of shampoo through the airport. You know, I mean, I not know. that shampoo is a thing for me, but, you know, if I wanted to, yeah. uh, you know, I don't need the. I guess, you know what, that would be suspicious. If I had a big bottle of shampoo or even a small bottle of shampoo, that would be very suspicious. Um, but, you know, given my hair situation, uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, you know, we, we basically get undressed now. Mm-hmm. You know, we had one guy that tried to blow one up with his shoes, and now we're all taking our shoes off. He wasn't even successful at it. It wasn't even all that, you know, he, he couldn't have been. Mm-hmm. And, and and so we're now we've all taken our shoes off for 20 years. Yeah. And, and it's just, what are you talking about, yeah, what, man? That you know, was it's, the it's, dumbest it's, comment. God, it's it, so the analogies are so bad. And the reason they're bad is they have to be bad. There's no good analogy. Yeah, and I think he's and and I mean I don't know does he really believe that or or is he just not a critical thinker? I mean, airplanes were not created to kill, you know, <laughs> and and so no, why would they ban airplanes? The airplanes were created to transport. Guns are created to kill. So you want to regulate you want to regulate things that are designed specifically to kill and to kill, you know, as we've been talking about with these assault weapons in mass. You know, of course it makes sense to regulate something like that. But no, you're not. I mean, that was just a dumb statement. That didn't. It's it's just like the car thing, you know, when they when they compare it to cars, you know, and it's just like, listen, if you if I had to be, let's say your airplanes, for example, if I am regulated to the point of an airplane uh, is regulated in terms of who gets to use one, who gets to fly one, uh, where it can be flown, how it can be flown, uh, you know, and something bad happens, I can live with that, uh, you know. Uh, I can live with all those safety measures that are put in place to regulate the use of airplanes. I can live uh, with with something bad happening because, you know, bad people do bad things from time to time and we do our best to stop them, uh, which is what we've done uh, in terms of airplanes. We've done our best to stop them with the safety measures that we've put in place. Uh, Same way with cars. We've done the best that we can with cars by creating speed limits and, uh, you know, learning to drive and training programs and uh, all these laws of seatbelts and insurance and everything else. We've done all these things. The one place that we don't seem to have any of that stuff is on the weapon, the tool that is designed to kill. Makes no sense. Yeah. Makes zero sense. Steve Scalise, right wing nut. (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, Till next week, y'all be safe. Peace.